Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. From WNYC Studios, I'm Brian Lehrer. This is my Daily Politics Podcast. It's Tuesday, December 20th. Let's talk about some of the newest and most interesting things from the January 6th committee presentation yesterday. I will assume that you already know the basic fact that they referred Donald Trump to the Justice Department recommending four criminal charges, including conspiracy to defraud the United States with the whole big lie campaign, plus inciting or assisting an insurrection, and how unprecedented those things are for a former president. So we're not going to go over the basics for the 45th time for your ears in the last 24 hours. One of the interesting things to me that we will focus on was how they spotlighted his consciousness of guilt. You know, evidence that he knew he was setting the crowd up for violence to happen and then egging that violence on once it began. Showing consciousness of guilt would be a powerful tool if it ever does come to a criminal trial for Trump in front of a jury. So here's a clip from yesterday that was brand new, not presented publicly before, of a top Trump advisor, Hope Hicks, describing how she was in contact with Trump attorney Eric Hirschman in the days leading up to January 6th, like right leading up, January 4th, January 5th, urging Hirschman to urge the president to remind the assembling protesters to be nonviolent when they gather. Hope Hicks. When you wrote, I suggested it several times, and it presumably means that the president say something about being nonviolent. He wrote, I suggested it several times Monday and Tuesday, and he refused. Tell us what happened. Um, sure. I, I didn't speak to the president about this directly, but I communicated um, people like Eric Hirschman um, that it was my view that it was important that the president put out some kind of message in advance of the event. And what was Mr. Hirschman's response? Um, Mr. Hirschman said that he had made the same, you know, recommendation um, directly to the president um, and that he had refused. Just so I understand, Mr. Hirschman said that he had already recommended to the president that the president convey a message that people should be peaceful on January 6th and the president had refused to do that? Yes. Former senior Trump advisor, Hope Hicks, as played at the January 6th committee hearing yesterday. That was from her deposition. We have more clips to play that are not necessarily the ones you keep hearing on the newscasts. And we'll talk about what happened yesterday and what it all means with Jacqueline Alemani, congressional investigations reporter for The Washington Post. Jackie, I know you're very in demand on this, so thanks for giving us some time. Welcome back to WNYC. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Let's start with that Hope Hicks clip. It's one of the most direct pieces of testimony that I've heard yet about Trump through omission, in that case, not doing something, consciously creating the conditions for a violent attack on the Capitol for January 6th. How new was that to you? 
That's exactly right, Brian. It was definitely one of the pieces of evidence that stood out to me yesterday, and it does add very meaningfully to the insurrection charge that the committee put forward. We had always known, uh, and it was already stated in in three legal opinions that were issued um, by federal court judges previously about the committee's plans to charge, to criminally refer uh, charges against the former president for conspiracy to defraud the American people and obstruction of Congress. Uh, But where we were surprised was this additional charge of the insurrection charge. And, And Hope Hicks spoke directly to that, that the former president uh, you know, found utility potentially and supported the violence uh, on January 6th. And, and, you know, Hope Hicks is really just, I think, the, the bow that kind of wraps it, it all up because there were several other people, including Eric Hirschman uh, and others, who said that the, the Trump during this 187 minutes repeatedly turned down suggestions to call for his supporters to be peaceful and to go home. And that even in the lead up to January 6th, the days beforehand, he also uh, rebuffed such suggestions. And I guess that was new testimony, that Hope Hicks clip and another one will play since the committee's last public presentation. And that's why we had never heard it before. Yes, that is exactly right. This committee was still conducting depositions right up until the very end through the report writing process. The testimony from Kellyanne Conway was also new. We had yet to see that. And there's also going to be other new depositions that are going to come to light uh, that were conducted in the time between the final the set of, the final public hearing that we saw over the summer and uh yesterday's hearing from Bobby Engel and Tony Ornato, two Secret Service agents who were also involved uh, and assisting the president on January 6th. And remind us, staying on that same Hope Hicks clip, who Eric Hirschman is, the Trump lawyer who Hope Hicks was having that exchange with? Yes, Eric Hirschman was one of uh, President Trump, then President Trump's lawyers in the White House counsel's office at the time. Um, and he is the, the person, if you've been tuning in to these hearings, or at least have seen snippets of it, he is the very blunt speaking uh, man who uh, I think was at times one of the former president's biggest allies uh, and really speaks quite clearly about what he believes to be the criminal activity conducted by those who were around the former president, people like John Eastman, who, in perhaps his most memorable uh, piece of testimony, said that uh, he recommends John Eastman to to hire uh, a lawyer to represent him for potential criminal charges. Right. And people who may not right away know who Eric Hirschman is, if you've watched any TV coverage of the January 6th hearings, uh, he's the guy who has this kind of I know better than you smile, almost smirk on his face that reads, quit the BS. I know what's really going on here. That Eric Hirschman. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, you know, I should also note he also has the very memorable contemporary art collection. One of his panda paintings oh. that was behind him made a lot of headlines. <laughs> I did not notice that. Um, Another thing they leaned on yesterday regarding Trump inciting violence 
was how he apparently poured gasoline on the fire once the break-in began, both through his refusal to call them off with a tweet or other public statement. I'm sure most of you listeners know about that very well. And the tweet he did put out about Mike Pence, who parts of the crowd were chanting to hang. Here's committee member Pete Aguilar, Democrat from California, at yesterday's hearing. In his speech on the ellipse on the afternoon of January 6th, former President Trump told the crowd that Vice President Pence needed the courage to do what he has to do. Once the riot began, President Trump deliberately chose to issue a tweet attacking Mr. Pence, knowing that the crowd had already grown violent. Almost immediately thereafter, the crowd around the Capitol surged, and between 2.30 and 2.35 p.m., the Metropolitan Police line on the west front of the Capitol broke. This was the first time in MPD history that a line like this had broken. Rioters at the Capitol were heard chanting, hang Mike Pence, through the afternoon. As a result of this unrest, Vice President Pence was forced to flee to a secure location where he actively coordinated with law enforcement and other governmental officials to address the ongoing violence. Congressman Pete Aguilar yesterday, and we'll keep going on this with Congresswoman Liz Cheney from her presentation about how no president in the history of the United States ever tried to defeat the peaceful, tra- pa- the peaceful transfer of power, which began with George Washington, once the courts and the Electoral College had spoken. Liz Cheney. Among the most shameful of this committee's findings was that President Trump sat in the dining room off the Oval Office watching the violent riot at the Capitol on television. For hours, he would not issue a public statement instructing his supporters to disperse and leave the Capitol, despite urgent pleas from his White House staff and dozens of others to do so. Members of his family, his White House lawyers, virtually all those around him knew that this simple act was critical. For hours, he would not do it. During this time, law enforcement agents were attacked and seriously injured. The Capitol was invaded, the electoral count was halted, and the lives of those in the Capitol were put at risk. In addition to being unlawful, as described in our report, this was an utter moral failure and a clear dereliction of duty. Evidence of this can be seen in the testimony of President Trump's own White House counsel and several other White House witnesses. No man who would behave that way at that moment in time can ever serve in any position of authority in our nation again. He is unfit for any office. Liz Cheney there, and you've probably heard the end of that clip played as a short soundbite on the news a lot in the last day. Uh, We played the longer version there as she laid out that timeline from January 6th. We are with Washington Post correspondent who covers congressional investigations, Jacqueline Alemani here. Jacqueline, what are the lawyers telling you about that, if you have lawyer sources? Are the things in that timeline grounds for an incitement to insurrection, criminal charge? We keep saying unprecedented. Is there any precedent for that kind of evidence, hers and Pete Aguilar's, setting up a conviction of a crime? You know, before I actually get to to that question, Brian, I do want to say that that last graph 
from Liz Cheney, the last snippet of, of her um, speech, really, I think really uh, it underscores the bigger mission of the committee, um, which is that at the end of the day, whether or not the Department of Justice ultimately decides to prosecute the, the former president and any of his allies and takes up some of these criminal referrals, which I should just point out for people who are just tuning in, have, have no legal weight, uh, that they are important for the public record. And as Liz Cheney very clearly said that there was a moral failing here and that some of these people, including the former president, Johnny Spin and others, should be prevented from holding public office, future public office going forward and from being in, in positions of power uh, in the future. Um, but no, right. we've never but let, seen me, let me ju- let me jump in on that, because it might yeah. be interesting to point out to the listeners and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that only the charge of insurrection among the four that they laid out, if he's convicted of insurrection, only that would legally prevent him from running for president again. The other things, if you're convicted of a crime, you can run for public office in this country if the people will have you. That that's true, but in the court of public opinion at least, that that was this was their ultimate mission. But you're exactly right, and it's a good point to make that that could have been part of the reason why insurrection was thrown into the criminal charges uh at the at the last minute um we don't know all that much about the deliberations that happened between Jamie Raskin uh Zoe Lofgren Adam Schiff and Liz Cheney those were the four lawyers that sit on the committee who formed a subcommittee that put together these recommendations that are again grounded in three uh opinions that have been issued by federal court judges um but we do know that Jamie Raskin was the impeachment manager for uh, House Democrats during the the former president's second impeachment process, and that insurrection was a part of those impeachment charges. Um, but you know, I, again, as as I'm not a lawyer, I do have I do have lawyer sources, and what we saw in this final hearing yesterday was the committee trying to make that insurrection case by showing pieces of evidence from people like Hope Hicks uh, and, and her testimony regarding the, the potential utility that he saw in fomenting an insurrection and having violence play out on Capitol Hill. All right. Let's hear what some of the lawyers calling in have to say about some of this. Elliot in Manhattanville, you're on WNYC. Elliot, thanks so much for calling in today. Hi. Um, yes. First of all, um, Brian, you made an excellent point about the right to run for president. Um, And anyone in the United States who was a naturalized citizen and has lived here for seven years and is 35 years old is entitled to run for president. Not a naturalized citizen. You can't be an immigrant. You should make a speech. You can't, you can't, Hmm? just to be clear, you, you mean what they call a natural born citizen, right? You can't be an immigrant and a naturalized citizen in that respect and run for president, uh, right? Uh, so not right. naturalized There was, a, there was, the, uh, there was a, uh, an exception for the, because people were born as British subjects um, and, Way back and then when. became United States. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yes, you're right. You have the exact language. Um, so I was 
the I get uh, uh, uneasy when somebody like Liz Cheney, who is a knowledgeable lawyer, sits up at a big desk and says something like that. Um, it could be prejudicial in a trial. Um, but anyway, I, I think that they that he I, I should think, be seen as disqualified from running for office again. Okay, and on the evidence, no man who's like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the evidence. Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to put aside a conspiracy charge and a, uh, insurrection charge because um, they're very complex. Um, they. It seems to me that uh, the Department of Justice will have enough evidence to take up. Um, the charge of lying, and I think that's separate from the charge of obstructing the congressional investigation. Uh-huh. Um, and I will tell you that I believe it was the first impeachment. The House Judiciary Committee hashed out the question of whether to charge um obstruction of their own investigation. Right. Uh, and there's a lot, was, you know, was there's a lot of scholarly... That, that was their investigation into uh, the alleged Ukraine uh, bribery the, or blackmail of Zelensky. Precisely. And they had a lot of sort of scholarly discussion about, you know, under what conditions it's proper to charge someone with interference, with obstructing, with a congressional investigation. So, um, you know, that's a lot of what I know on the topic. I, I, I think they that the DOJ has plenty to to go to a grand jury uh, on on that and on the lying. Absolutely. Elliot, I they think they could do it very quickly. Th- thank you very much. That's interesting. Um, and Jackie, to what he just said there. It kind of perfectly sets up our next clip. It's California Congressman Zoe Lofgren, January 6th committee member, suggesting at one point yesterday that Trump's people were trying to bribe witnesses, or at least one witness, into lying or holding back the truth in some way about Trump when they testified before the committee. Here's Zoe Lofgren. We've learned that a client was offered potential employment that would make her, quote, financially very comfortable as the date of her testimony approached by uh, entities that were apparently linked to Donald Trump and his associates. These offers were withdrawn or didn't materialize as reports of the content of her testimony circulated. The witness believed this was an effort to affect her testimony, and we are concerned that these efforts may have been a strategy to prevent the committee from finding the truth. Jackie, was that new to you, or can you get any more specific about who she was referring to there? Uh, Brian, you were asking all the right questions, <laughs> the ones that we're actually still pursuing in real time. Um, this was uh, the um, ending to a cliffhanger that, that Liz Cheney had left us with when she said during um one of the the hearings over the summer at the at the very end of it that they were aware of people trying to um, interfere with their investigation and coach uh, a witness and um, and and threaten her. We we have a feeling that we know who this witness is in particular, uh, and and um, 
what her legal arrangement was, but we haven't confirmed and nailed down those details yet. But I will say we have previously reported that there was a feeling amongst some of the, the at one point Trump loyalists and allies who ultimately had their legal fees being paid for by a Trump super PAC that uh, there was some conflict of interest there and a feeling that if so long as Trump was paying for their legal fees, you know, they um, they were limited in, in some ways. And mm-hmm. we do know that at the end of the day, Cassidy Hutchinson was one of the um, witnesses in this investigation who changed lawyers midstream. She huh. was working with uh, a lawyer that was being paid by former President Trump and who had actually worked at one point in the White House counsel's office uh, and then switched to a different lawyer. um, I believe his name is Jody Heiss. uh, And from after that switch is when we saw Cassidy uh, finally appear publicly and make some of the, um, you know, damning and remarkable statements that that she made when she appeared during that um she made that surprise appearance during uh one of the summer hearings we will see the full report released tomorrow and listeners we will do another segment on that on thursday we thank jacqueline alamani congressional investigations reporter for the washington post who's been on this so well and so long thank you so much for coming on again jackie we appreciate oh thank you so much Brian. Brian Lehrer, A Daily Politics Podcast, is an excerpt from my live daily radio show, The Brian Lehrer Show, on WNYC Radio, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, if you want to listen live at WNYC.org. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you next time.